What's up, fuckers? And welcome back to Off the Post with your host, me, Ethan. Matrix 24 did not disappoint. We got weekend recaps. I got a Champions League preview for you. I got my team of the week. I got general tomfoolery and shenanigans. So let's just jump right into it. So let's start in North London with the Arsenal-Leeds game. Now, I always say I love watching Leeds games because regardless of what happens, there's going to be goals. Leeds are either going to allow a shit ton of goals or they're going to score a shit ton of goals. And if there's not a lot of goals, it's not going to be from a lack of trying. There's going to be shots galore. And that's exactly what happened in this game because Arsenal steamrolled them 4-2 with an Aubameyang hat trick. It was great seeing Aubameyang playing with such confidence and just showing who he really is, and that's a world-class striker. The Premier League is more fun when Aubameyang is scoring goals with his eyes closed. That's just a fact. One thing that really stood out to me this game for Arsenal was their youngsters, which is really becoming a recurring theme. Emil Smith-Rowe and Bukayo Saka are just playing beyond their years right now. Saka in particular is just playing his ass off at the moment. It's really fun seeing his play. He's dynamic. He's shifty. He's really good on the ball. He makes correct passes. Great crosser. He's going to have a bright future, and Arsenal really need to hang on to him and not pull stunts like they did with Serge Gnabry. They got to keep giving him playing time. At the end of the day, it was just really nice seeing Arsenal playing some f- like fun, free-flowing, attacking football. That wasn't just them putting the ball down the wing and crossing it into the box and hoping that somebody gets a touch on it into the net. Leeds, on the other hand, I don't like blaming goalkeepers for bad score lines. Usually when four goals are scored, that's because of poor defending, not poor goalkeeping. That means your goalkeeper is just getting peppered with shots and your defense is poor. But today, Ian Melier was poor all four of arsenal's goals he could have done better at making attempted save or even saved them which has just got to be demoralizing as a defender knowing you can do whatever you want to do as a defender and it's not going to matter because your, your keeper's not there to back you up if you make a slight mistake now melier is a good keeper in my opinion he has a bright future but today was definitely one to forget Since Leeds play the way they do, they need a solid goalkeeper because for all the shots they put up going forward, they allow a whole lot on the other end too. So they need a solid keeper to make their game plan click. And unfortunately, Melier just didn't bring it today. Not his day. There will be others, but not today. Moving on to what really was the shock of the week to me. And that's Fulham pulling one out of their ass and beating Everton 2-0. Great win for Fulham. Bad loss for Everton. I mean, this is an Everton team that just came off a 3-3 draw at Old Trafford. They can compete with the big boys. And they went to Fulham and laid a big fat goose egg. Because Fulham outplayed them. Fulham really outplayed them. For a relegation team, they played really good ball. Fulham's biggest problem this season has been... They stink at finishing. 
I mean, these dudes can't finish a sentence. They'd have all these great opportunities in front of net, and they would just sky them wide, right to the keeper. Just a bad look for them, and that's why they're in the relegation zone. But in comes Josh Maja. Maha, Maja, Maja. I don't know how to say his name. But he comes in on his Premier League debut and bags a double. Puts two past Robin Olsen. And guides Fulham to a much-deserved victory. For Everton? You can't be losing this game, man. You got games in hand. Points here, you're putting yourself into the top six. You're going for a European spot. You can't be losing to Fulham. You see, that's what separates West Ham from the other teams trying to get into European spots. West Ham draws Fulham in a disappointing performance, but we do not lose. And that's what separates good from great. But Everton were missing Dominic Calvert-Lewin, and it was apparent because they needed a finisher, and they lacked a final touch to put the ball into the net badly. The defense was sloppy, a lot of ball watching, and they just kind of let Fulham take unnecessary shots, and that ultimately led to their demise in this game. So really disappointing performance from Everton. This could come back to bite them later in the season. Moving on to a big game this week. Two teams battling it out in the top six. And that's Leicester City and Liverpool. And Leicester come away with a victory. 3-1. to one. Liverpool lose ag again. The champions go down again. The defense and goalkeeper give away sloppy goals again. Just a really poor performance from Liverpool, man. And the worst part was... They had a 1-0 lead in the 75th minute. All it took was 15 minutes of Leicester playing okay to decent football and Liverpool shitting their pants on live television. And Leicester come away with a 3-1 win. Leicester just had to absorb Liverpool's possession and attacks. Get a little luck with some counterattacks. Score a free kick. Have Allison completely forget to communicate with his defender and run into him and just let Jamie Vardy walk the ball into the net. I mean, this Liverpool team looks nothing like the one that won the league last year. I mean, particularly Allison. Allison won the award for best goalkeeper in the world. And right now, this dude can't stop giving the ball to the other team in the final third. It's just weird. It's so uncharacteristic. And it's costing Liverpool. So at the end of the day, Liverpool really lost this game more than Leicester won it. That being said, Leicester aren't going to complain. They just beat Liverpool. But Liverpool now sit in 6th place. Still in a European spot. But below West Ham. And if you had told me at the beginning of the season that 24 games in... That West Ham would be ahead of Liverpool on the table. I would say you're a fool. I would say you're full of malarkey. And I would call you a bad person for saying such blasphemous things. But no, this shit is actually happening. And I'm loving every minute of it. I love it. Love it. If y'all don't mind, I'm gonna crack me a nice 
peach and grapefruit ale. I'm parched. Hear that? Mm, that's good shit right there. Alright, moving on. Man City beat the shit out of Tottenham. Who could have seen this coming? Me. I could have seen this coming. Man City have now won 11 Premier League games in a row. Ilki Gundogan is the second coming of Yaya Torre. And this defense is a fucking joke. And I don't mean it that it's bad. I mean it that it's just so good, man. No matter who they put in at each position, they get clean sheets. Ederson's always in net. That always stays the same. But Zinchenko and Mendy rotate at left back. They get clean sheets. Stones, Diaz, Laporte constantly rotating around at center back. They still get clean sheets. Zhao Cancelo and Kyle Walker take turns at right back. Doesn't matter. They get clean sheets. They have no weak lineup. It's absurd. And maybe this is... Man City might just be smarter than everyone else. Because Harry Kane has been given every team in the Premier League fits all year. And in this game, Man City were just like, what if we isolate him and make it hard for his teammates to pass to him? And if he gets the ball, we make it hard for him to either shoot it or distribute it to a teammate. And wouldn't you know that worked like a fucking charm? Because Tottenham can't do shit without Harry Kane. Tottenham actually have one of the better defenses in the league. And they do have some injuries there. But I really don't know how they have such a good defense. Because looking at the back four they put out against Man City. The team that won 11 games in a row. You just looked at it and you were like. Yeah Man City's going to win today. Yeah they're going to win. Because if you, you trot out Ben Davies, Eric Dyer, Davidson Sanchez, and Jaffet Tanganga, you're just asking for trouble, man. You're looking for trouble and asking for it. To sum up this game, Man City were so good that their goalkeeper got an assist. So yeah, Man City have won 11 in a row, and Tottenham... In their last five games. One win and four losses. They're going to have to find some form soon. Or European football is going to become a real challenge for them to achieve. Moving on to the other Manchester team. Manchester United. They disappointed themselves with a 1-1 draw against West Brom. In my opinion the worst team in the league. And it's just crazy how much has changed over the past month, month and a half. Man United were top of the table. There was talks about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer getting a long-term contract because he, they're finally hitting their stride. Manchester United are back, top of the table where they belong. Fast forward. Manchester City literally can't lose. Manchester United can't even beat West Brom. I mean, the mighty have fallen off. Quite a bit. But I'll say something nice about Man United. They scored a good goal. Bruno Fernandes scored a nice volley. 
and I went in and it was a goal. There. Said something nice about Man United. But that's all I have to say. Because they let West Brom score within the first two minutes. The defense got caught slipping. And by Diagne, crept past Victor Lindelof, put a header in, went past De Gea. And then they're behind. And good teams don't do that. And Man United are a good team, but they have moments where you're like, what the fuck are you doing? And that's why Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, back on the hot seat? He's constantly going off and on, but I feel like he's back on now, especially at Manchester United. Like, you can't have your team go top of the table, have people talking about, oh, you're bringing back the glory days, and then you're losing to West Brom, and you're seven points behind Manchester City. Who has a game in hand, by the way? They could be up 10 if they win that game. And for West Brom, this is really more of a morale victory because a point really doesn't do much for them because they're just deep in the relegation zone. So a point doesn't really help either of these teams, but more so for Man United, who are continually dropping points against lesser opponents. Moving on to the... Ethan gloats about West Ham for approximately two and a half minutes hour. Uh, West Ham won again. It was against Sheffield United, who are bottom of the table. Nevertheless, they won again. And we are now up to fifth in the table. We don't have a striker that's healthy. They say Michael Antonio sat out due to fatigue. But we all know it's because his hamstrings are essentially made of cobwebs and they just rip and tear every time he does anything. Regardless, we won today without a striker. Jesse Lingard played another great game, pushed our attack forward. He's relentless going forward. He doesn't like to turn around and pass the ball back to the defense. No, he's just going to go forward and go for it, which I appreciate because we don't really have a lot of guys that do that. So it's nice to have Lingard doing that. Uh, we can't stop scoring from set pieces. We're the set piece kings of the Premier League. This time, instead of Ogbonna or Suchek or Dawson, the list goes on. Oh, instead of one of them getting on it, it was Issa Diop. Issa Diop goes in, go gets a Cresswell cross, heads it in. Clockwork. We are inevitable. Now, I'm not so much happy about beating Sheffield United. That's the expectation at this point. I think West Ham are good enough this year that I have a bare minimum expectation that they should be beating relegation teams. That's why I was upset with the Fulham draw. But a 3-0 win over Sheffield? Take that any day of the week. We now sit in 5th. Level on points with Chelsea, who are in 4th. They just beat us on goal differential. I'm a happy camper. I'm at camp and I'm incredibly happy. Because I can't remember a time when West Ham have given me this much joy. They're going to let me down eventually and it's going to hurt. I've been over this. I'm ready to get hurt. I'm going to move on to my quick fire results now. Just so I have time to do my team of the week and then do all my Champions League previews. So let's get started with that. Southampton 1, Wolves 2. Southampton have now lost Six games in a row. Yuck. I thought they were going to compete for Europe. And now I'm pretty sure they're in 13th. Hate to see it. 
Uh, Ruben Neves showed out for Wolves. He really showed why he's so sought after. Uh, honestly, after this season, don't be surprised if someone big club, not just in England, all around Europe, they should be going after Ruben Neves. He's that dude. He's that dude. Brighton nil, Aston Villa nil. Brighton had 26 shots to Aston Villa's four. Not the other way around. Brighton outshot Aston Villa 26 to four. Emiliano Martinez saved Villa's ass. He stood on his head the entire game. And Aston Villa really need to thank him. Because losing to Brighton would have been really embarrassing for them. Dropping points to a team towards the bottom of the table. And they're a team that has European aspirations. So they should consider themselves lucky that they got away with a 0-0 draw. Which is really saying something. Chelsea 2. Newcastle 0. This might have been the most predictable game of them all. I mean, Newcastle didn't have Callum Wilson. They weren't scoring. Chelsea had won three games in a row coming into this, and their defense had barely allowed any goals in that span. They weren't allowing Newcastle to score. So 2-0 is pretty fitting. Timo Werner ended his goal drought. $60 million striker goes 100 days without scoring a goal. But he scored. He scored. And finally, Crystal Palace nil, Burnley 3. Crystal Palace didn't have Wilfred Zaha. So yeah, of course they weren't going to win. But allowing three goals to the second worst offense in the league. P.U. These guys stink. And that's my review of the Burnley Crystal Palace game. Moving on to my team of the week. Not a lot of wingers did amazing this week. So I went with a 4 2 formation with two defensive midfielders, two attacking midfielders, two strikers. So here's what I got. In goal, Emiliano Martinez. Left back, Alexander Zinchenko. Center back, Issa Diop. Center back, Cesar Aspilicueta. Right back, Matthew Loughton. Defensive midfielders, Wilfred Ndidi and Rodri. Attacking midfielders, Ruben Neves and Ilki Gundogan. And a strike force of Josh Maja and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Now let's move on to some Champions League previews. It's finally here. I've been excited for Champions League for a while. Ever since the draw, there's been a lot of good matchups out there. I know you guys want to talk about Newcastle and Burnley. But not today. We're talking about Barcelona and PSG. Last time these two teams met in the knockout rounds was when Barca had that crazy comeback from being down 4 nothing in the first leg, came back, and won 6-1 to to send them to the next round, in which they lost, but that's besides the point. So let's go over the pros and cons for each team. The pros for Barcelona. Lionel Messi is on your team, and he is on fire. Eight goals in the last five La Liga games... Also on fire for Barcelona, Antoine Griezmann. 
He's in his best form since he's been with Barcelona in the past month and a half. He has eight goals and ten assists. They've won eight of their last nine in all competitions. They started the season quite slow, but they're peaking at the right time. And they are piping hot right now. Cons for Barcelona? They're not that sound defensively. But their offense has been so good, it's kind of overshadowed their poor defensive performances. So if they're going to win, it's not going to be because of their defense. Unless they pull something out of their ass, which could totally happen. Crazier things have happened. PSG? What's going for them? They're also in good form. They've won six of their last seven. They're better defensively than Barcelona, in my opinion. Their center-back partnership of Presnel Kempembe and Marquinhos is strong. They played a lot together, and they got their shit figured out. Also, a little fellow named Kylian Mbappe plays for them. You ever heard of him? The youngster scored two goals in the World Cup final. He scored like 100 goals before his 22nd birthday. Rang any bells. Yeah, he still plays for them, and he's in fact very good. Cons for PSG. Injuries, man. Neymar's injured. Bernat's injured. Di Maria, I believe, will be injured for the game. And possibly even Marco Verratti. Not a great time to get the injury bug if you're PSG. Moving on to our next matchup. RB Leipzig versus Liverpool. What's going for RB Leipzig? They've won four in a row, and they aren't dependent on one person to score. Now, this could be bad because you don't have that dude who you can give the ball to and go get a goal. But they kind of remind me, they're not as good as Man City. No one's as good as Man City right now. But they're not dependent on one person to score. They They can attack you from multiple different directions, and if one person isn't clicking, another person is. And I think that's what makes them so lethal. Shutting down one person isn't going to shut them down for the night. And that's what makes Leipzig dangerous. Now the cons of RB Leipzig, much like PSG, they have a little bit of an injury bug with starters. Dominic Sabaslai, injured. Emil Forsberg, one of their top scorers, he won't be playing. Conrad Lamer, defensive stalwart in the midfield, he'll be injured, he'll be out. And that's going to hurt them. Bad time to pick up the injury bug, but it's part of the game. Liverpool, their pros, it's got to be their experience. They've been here before, and they know how to win these games. Sadio Mane, Roberto Firmino, Mo Salah. That attack has literally won them the Champions League, and they should be able to handle the round of 16 just fine. With that being said, They are in terrible form right now. Three losses in a row. Poor defending. Shaky goalkeeping. The opposite of peaking at the right time. So an upset could be in the cards, and Leipzig could pull one out against Liverpool. Next game, Porto versus Juventus. Pros for Porto. They've only lost one time in the last three months. Granted, this is in the Portuguese Premier League, 
not known for its quality play. Nevertheless, they got one loss in the last three months. That's impressive. The cons? They're playing against the team that Ronaldo is on. Huh. There's your con right there. But no, Juventus are the much better team, and Porto are going to be facing an uphill battle. But if they pull something off, that could be the upset of the round. Pros for Juventus? Ronaldo plays for you. Ever heard of him? And you know who he does really well against? Weaker opponents. He thrives off of it, and he should have no problem with Porto. Cons for Juventus? They're not in the best form right now. And they are going to be without starting right back Juan Cuadrado, who is a great defender and even better going forward. And they're going to miss him. But they should be able to handle Porto just fine. And finally, Sevilla versus Dortmund. Pros for Sevilla. They've won nine in a row across all competitions. Striker Yusuf and Nasiri is on fire right now. They're peaking at the right time. The epitome of peaking at the right time. Cons for Sevilla. They got an injury bug. They're going to be without three starters. Jesus Navas, Marcos Acuna, Lucas Ocampos. They're going to be without their starting right winger, right back, and left back. That's going to hurt against a really talented Dortmund team. Speaking of Dortmund, they're pros. They got an exciting attack. Erling Holland, Jaden Sancho, Gio Reyna. They got dudes who can hurt you, and they can hurt you fast, and you won't know what hit you. Cons for Dortmund? They are in really bad form right now. Incredibly inconsistent. Only a couple wins in their last seven games. Poor, poor defending. Injuries all over the defense. I'm a Dortmund fan. And if Dortmund pulls this out, I'll be surprised. Because Sevilla are coming in here guns blazing, and Dortmund right now have their tail between their legs. With that being said, get out there and watch some football this weekend. Watch some football this week. There's games everywhere. You don't need to go outside. You see how cold it is outside? You don't need to go outside. Stay inside. Watch some footy. Take it easy. And I'll talk to you guys next week. Peace.